How many of you grew up before the invention of a remote control? Show of hands. Show of hands. I'm one of them. Okay, keep your hands up. How many of you were the remote control in your house? That's what I figured. Okay, you can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that, that I was. You know, dad hits you. Hey, can you go get me something to drink? Dad, why do I have to get you something to drink? The response was, you want to live in my house? Eat my food? You're going to give me something to drink, right? Okay, apparently y'all didn't grow up that way, all right? You know, there, there was a time or two that, that my dad told me, he goes, you know, I said, Dad, why do I have to mow the grass? He said, son, you were born so that I didn't have to mow the grass. Only to find out later that in my adulthood I'm deathly allergic to grass. It's okay, Dad. Don't feel too bad. Uh, we all make mistakes. <laughs> but growing up, there was things in my life that weren't questions. You know, I, I'd always know that I wasn't going to get to watch what I wanted to watch. If I asked my parents to watch something that I wanted to watch, what would be the response? Grow up. Get your own house. Oh, yeah, get a job. Get your own house. Buy your own TV. Then you can watch whatever you want. So what did I do? I grew up. I got a job. Got my own house. Got my own TV. And when my dad's over, he watches whatever he wants to watch. So don't believe the lies, kid. Don't believe the lies. I'll come home, turn on the TV. I'm like, Crystal, why is it on Fox News? Oh, dad was here. Uh, Dad was here. I tell him, I said, Dad, you're getting old. You know, your favorite channel, it's all it is is life alert commercials. <laughs> Help, I fall in and I can't get up. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. Anyway, so growing up, there was no question in my mind who was the boss in my household. Now, fast forward, 2018. Would you say that in most households, the parents are the boss? I would say no. All you got to do is go to Walmart to figure that out. Just be pushing around, finding your own business at Walmart. Carmen can tell you. She works at Walmart. You got the kids laying on the floor. Happens every day, right? Kids screaming on the floor, want some candy, right? What does mom do? She gets the candy. Just stop crying. Just please stop crying. I just walk away. Whose kid is that? Somebody get that kid. Shoot. But that's the thing. We have, our culture has changed to where kids are now in charge. Kids run the family. Kids have the most say-so. And so what's important and what we have to understand here in this modern family series, it's going gonna, it's gonna to last the entire month of May. It says, as followers of Christ... We are to set the standard of what the family should look like, not follow the trends of today. We are called as followers of Christ to show the world what the family should look like. We are not called to look like the world. But here's the problem. If you look at the family, the divorce rate is just as high in the church as it is in the world. Our Child abandonment rate or orphan and orphan or CPS cases are just as high in the church as it is in the world. What's the problem? 
We've not followed the biblical mandate of be in the world, but not of the world. And so it is our responsibility to show the world what the family should look like. Now, I'm not talking about your past mistakes. The past is the past. I'm talking about from this day forward. So today, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll start at verse 1. The title of my message today is, What is Biblical Discipline in the Family? What is Biblical Discipline in the Family? And I know what all you parents are going. All right. Finally, a sermon on spanking. Whoop them. Actually, today is not about spanking at all. Okay? So, kids, Sarah's like, thank you, Jesus. I knew you were listening to my prayers. Problem is, Sarah, you didn't get enough spanking. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know I love you, okay? You know I love you. I pick on you because I love you. I went to your school banquet. That, I love you. Okay. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's read. Children, obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right. Oh, I thought I'd get an amen there. I'll read it again. Children, obey your parents of the Lord, for this is right. Thank you. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So what it's saying, kids, is if you'll listen to your parents, you won't die. And you might have a chance to live a long time. You're welcome. So... I was, I was, every, every week I, I study and do research for my messages and I was reading in a biblical commentary called the uh, Expositor's Bible Commentary and I read this quote and I was like, man, I was trying to paraphrase it but I'm like, I don't like to read to you. So I'm going to read this to you because I couldn't find a way to phrase it any other way. It says, disobedience to parents is a symptom of a disintegrating social structure and Christian families have a particular responsibility not to contribute to the collapse of an ordered community. So what this is saying is that we as Christians have to set the standard of obedience to authority. That's my first point. We are called to set the standard as followers of Christ to obedience to authority. Now one thing that kind of cracks me up it cracks me up because I'm a, I'm a logical thinker. So logic, logical things is where I land. So this is not a political statement. This is a logic statement. The movement of not my president. <laughs> I kind of just laugh. I'm like, you live here in America, right? Thus, he is your president. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, I know they're trying to make a political statement. They didn't vote for the president. I get it. This isn't about politics. But here's what the thing is. Jesus put our president in place. He put this president in place. He put the last president in place. The president before, the president before, the president before. Even if you didn't vote for him. One of the greatest men of God there ever was, Billy Graham. Every time he was invited to the White House, you know what he did? He went and voted for the president. In fact, no one actually knew if Billy Graham was a Democrat or a Republican because he didn't talk about it. Because he was obedient to the man that God had placed above him at the time. And so it doesn't matter if you like the president today. 
doesn't matter if you like the next president or the 40 presidents to come. If we survive, God placed them there. And so we have to respect the authorities that God has placed over us. Otherwise, we are being disobedient to God's will. God is very ordered. He has a boss over everything. If you look through the Bible, there's a boss. He even says, I have put together all the rulers and kings. I have set them in place. And you kind of feel the undertone in there. I've set them in place. And if they don't do right, I'll take them out. And I'll make another one just like them. Right? You ever tell your kids that? And so God is a God of order. God is a God of authority. If he's placed an authority over you, he's called you to be obedient to that authority. One thing I was always told by my grandpa growing up, you're always going to have a boss. Don't ever think you're too good to have a boss. Even the president, I'm his boss. And I'm like, Papa, how are you the president's boss? Because I can vote him out. I'm like, well, got a point there. And so what we have to do with our children is we have to make them understand we are in charge. Now, some of you are going to have to go home and Captain Phillips your children. You may know what I'm talking about. You're going to have to look at him and go, Listen, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Which is what I felt like I needed to do earlier. I'm the captain now. And that's what you have to say. Now, the first service, nobody had seen Captain Phillips. Tell me you've seen Captain Phillips. Tom Hanks? Oh my gosh, do y'all watch movies? Like half of them hadn't seen it. So, okay, let me, let me walk back because most of you hadn't done your due diligence to see the right movies. Um, Captain Phillips is a story about the Somali pirates taking over a freight ship. And the pirates get, get to, the, get to the, the, the deck, the, what is it called? The bridge. And he goes, he looks at Tom Hanks, he goes, look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now. You do what I say. And so some of you have to look at your kids and go, listen, I'm the captain now. There's going to be a new rule and authority in this household. It's going to be me. Now, I know some of you are scared to do that. I've got some more things for you later, okay? So let's keep reading it. Ephesians chapter 6, let's read verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that brings me to my second point. Do not provoke your children. Do not provoke your children. Now, this was a revolutionary thought that Paul was bringing out. Why? Because this was a patriarchal society. Men were the law in this society. In fact, in the Bible, they didn't count women and children because men were men. Right? But what he's saying is, don't cause your children anger. Fathers are not called to make unreasonable demands upon their family. They're called to lead their family. And guys, what we have to understand is each of our children is different. Noah, he is very soft and tender and kind-hearted, just like his dad. And so... Y'all are evil people. 
Anyway. Y'all need to come home with me, okay? Anyway. He's soft and tender like his dad. He enjoys encouragement. If you, en- if you encourage Noah and tell him, buddy, you're the best toy organizer that we have, he'll arrange the whole house. You throw in some M&Ms, he'll come arrange your house. He thrives on encouragement. Maddie, she'll just look at you and go, I don't care. We still haven't figured out her, but Maddie hates to sit still. When she gets in trouble, I'll make her put her nose against the wall, touching the wall. And she's like, how long do I have to do this, dirty? Until I say stop. Well, how long is that? It doesn't matter. That's what we have Alexa for. She's counting. You just sit there and be quiet. When the Alexa dot goes off, you can go. Alexa dots are great, by the way, if y'all have children. You just say, Alexa, set a timer for five minutes. And they're like, it's like, I never thought technology could be a punishment, but it's great. But we've had to get a hold on Maddie because one day Crystal picked her up from school and the teacher said, we had a problem. You always know when the teachers start with, we have a problem. You're like, well, crap. What did they say this time? And you're like, please don't be that thing that I said the other day, right? Um, <laughs> you were thinking it. She said, you're not the boss of me, to her teacher. I'm like, stop acting like your mom. Jeez. Joking, Crystal has never said that in front of the kids. Um, <laughs> and so, so what did I do? I grabbed her by the hand the next day at school. We talked about it all night. We said, your teachers are the boss. So we walked to, uh, she, we walked to the class. I walked her to her class. I walked her to each teacher. She gave each t- of her teachers, she has two teachers, a hug. And she said, I'm sorry, you're the boss. And so now every time that we leave and leave them in the care of, of some unpoor, suspecting uh, youth kid or sweet lady in our church, we go, who's the boss? Who's the boss? Because one day Maddie's going to rule the world. Because, like, she has all her teachers fooled at, at school. They're like, oh, she's the sweetest girl ever. I'm like, she's buttering you up for something, Okay. Like, she's going to be the principal next week, and you're not going to know what happened. <laughs> and so you have, to, you have to discipline your children differently because what makes Noah upset, Maddie could care less about. But what makes Maddie upset, Noah could care less about. But you are called as a parent to know the difference. So don't ever discipline out of anger. Discipline out of the desire to see your child succeed in a world that may ask them to do something that they don't want to do. I think we all agree that one day when our kids have an office job, if their boss walks up to them and said, hey, I need you to turn in that spreadsheet by 5 o'clock tomorrow, they get out of their chair, fall on the floor, and start screaming, they're going to get fired. (laughs) Right? So we have to solve that before they get there or they're going to be poor and living in your house forever. And we all know you don't want that, right? We don't want that, right? Okay. So that's why you're the boss. You want them to leave your house one day. Third point. 
It's the same, it's from the same verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. I'm going to read in the, the Passion Translation. It says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but raise them up with a loving discipline and counsel that brings them the revelation of the Lord. So ultimately, our goal as a parent is this third point. We must bring them up in the heritage of the Lord. It's our job as parents to show them the ways of the Lord. And in fact, it tells us to bring them up in righteousness. So Paul talks about two domestic education factors here. The first is training. So what Paul is referring to here is training in righteousness. So how can you train your child in righteousness if you don't model to them what righteousness is? The old adage of do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work. In fact, kids are leaving the church at a rapid pace because they've had a whole group of their parents come in church and go, praise Jesus, and come home and be like, bleep, 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 right? Stop looking at your parents' kids, okay? And so basically what we're saying is you have to teach, you have to model to your children what a righteous follower of Christ is. You can't tell them church is important and then allow them to do something else on Sundays instead of church. You're sending mixed signals. And so you have to set the priorities in your family and you have to stand up to that. If God is a priority, you have to model your family after that. That means you have to model your life after that as well. The second thing is we must instruct our kids. Sometimes our kids, like I said, respond better to encouragement, but you are called to explain things. Now we saw last week, Noah got baptized. The reason Noah got baptized is because the whole week of Easter week leading up to it, he actually got saved on Easter. We were talking about Jesus. We were talking about Jesus dies on Friday. He's silent on on Saturday. Then he gets up. Like literally on Friday, we were walking through a timeline of the crucifixion. My kids are just like me. I'm sorry. Uh, I I apologize to all the nursery workers that have to work with them. Um, But but they were like, Dad, it's 3 o'clock. Is Jesus dead yet? Well, (laughs) you have to think like a 6 and a 4-year-old, okay? Like when did Jesus die? So he's dead right now? Three o'clock? Okay, yeah. All right. Saturday. Jesus still dead? Well, technically, no, but Jesus is alive. Yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. And so instead of me, instead of us, because it wasn't just me, Crystal and I, instead of just pushing them off as just goofy kids, we talk through the resurrection. We talk through the cross. We talk through these different things. And Noah accepted Christ on Easter. You never know what they're listening to. And so if your, your child asks you a question, take the time to explain it. Now, you don't have to talk down to your children. Trust me, they're a lot smarter than you give them credit for. You don't have to do baby talk. Just explain it in the best way you can. I know sometimes as parents, your kids ask you questions and you're like, I don't even know the answer to that. Okay? Text me or Google it. That was good. Google, Google it first. 
How about that? Then text me if you can't figure it out after that. Some of you, I'm still like, you're like, hey, what's a Bible verse for this? You know what I do? I Google it and then text it back to you. I literally, you, you think I'm joking. <laughs> That's what I really do. Unless I know it offhand. Now, I do know it offhand sometimes, but not, not most of the time. Just give them the best that you have because Jesus entrusted you with these kids. He's given you the knowledge and wisdom you need to raise them. Now, those of you that are sitting here, you're like, a family series? I don't even have a family. What, how does this apply to me? This does apply to you. Because God is a God of authority. And we, as Christ followers, must walk in the authorities that Jesus has put over us. Because in authority, in structure, there is power, there is freedom. And so, you as a follower of Christ, you have to walk in the confines that God has put you in. One day, if you are the best worker ever, you will get a raise. Now, how does this work in your life? We live in a world of very flaky people. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you show up to work on time, if you work hard, if you do what you say you're going to do, you're going to put yourself in the top echelon of employees in this world i guarantee it and so if you read the bible and we are respectful to authorities that's what we would do anyway did you know that you could preach the gospel to your boss by how good of a worker you are even if they're terrible boss you see slaves in the bible that worked hard for their master and brought them to the lord why because the great old adage says, preach the gospel, and if, it, if it's necessary, use words. We walk in a world of no authority. If you look on Facebook, it's offensive if you have a different opinion of someone else. You must all think the way I think. Where did the days go where we could just sit and talk and have a difference of opinion and not throw things at each other? I miss those days because I love those conversations. I want you to have a different opinion than me because then I'm going to try to convince you, right? That's just the way I feel. So, yeah, got to run away. Uh Uh-oh. Carlos, you're the captain, okay? Look him right in the eye and say, I'm the captain now, boy. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you in your life? I got three questions for you. If you're new here at Hope Church, I try to wrap up the message in a perfect package here at the end. So if you're not taking notes, this is a great time to take them. First question, are you the boss in your home? Are you the boss in your home? If, if you have started to sweat and breathe heavy about the conversations when you get home, look at me right here. You can do it. You can do it. Watch Captain Phillips as a family, get to that part and say, look at me, I'm the captain now. Never mind the fact that that all the pirates get shot in the head at the end. Forget that part. Forget that part. (laughs) Just stop it before you get there. Just stop it before they get kicked off the boat. Say, see, I told you. I don't know. Maybe not. Just show them the YouTube video of I'm the captain now. That's fine. That's, That's a lot quicker. But it's just baby steps. You've got to start putting your foot down. 
Because here's the thing. Followers of Jesus, ours should be the best-rounded, most well-behaved kids. Why? Because the Bible tells us how to do it. Second question. Are you an example to the world? Like I said, we're supposed to have the families that are put together. Are you being an example? Are you preaching Christ with your family structure? Are you preaching the gospel to your spouse? Did you know, you know, a lot of people tell me, well, I can't, I can't love my spouse because they're not submitting to me. Or, or I can't love my spouse because they're not loving me the way they're supposed to. Did you know that God never says, do what I've called you to do only if the other person is doing what they're called to do? He said, worry about yourself. Do what you're called to do, regardless of if they do it. And so you're called as a spouse, you're called as a parent to do what you're called to do even if the other part of the family doesn't do it. Guys, we're called to lead our family even if no one follows us. Just keep leading. Eventually they'll fall in line behind you. But you've got to be a leader that's worth following. Ladies, you're called to be the nurturers, the lovers of the family. You know, you're the... You're the you're the smoother out after we rough things up, right? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all, but you get what I'm saying, right? You're, you're, the, you're the sandpaper to our... <sighs> I don't know. I didn't say this in the first service, so the metaphor is not completely thought out. But, but you are called to love your family regardless if your husband is worthy of you submitting to him. I know many of a woman that prayed for their husband and submitted to them and loved them to Jesus. It's amazing stories. But we're called to be the examples of what God has envisioned for the family. And the last question is the band comes back. Do you need God to heal your family today? Now, I want to keep this as a theme throughout the series because, let's face it, I know that there are a lot of broken families in this room. I know that, that some of you are like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to go home and tell the kids that I'm the captain. Let us pray for you. Maybe some of you have, have some wounds that are even deeper than that. And you need someone to pray for you. Guys, we've got some prayer people that are going to be up here. In fact, prayer people, y'all come on. Get in place, please. Grab people up here in the front and along the back that want to pray with you. If you're struggling in your family, if you're struggling to do family God's way, if you're struggling to do family the right way, then come and be encouraged by some of these great people. Nothing makes their day more than to pray with you. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. That's what they're here for. That's what they want to do. So as we sing this last song, ask God, to fix what is broken in your family. Let God, the author of all things, heal your family. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you today that we can laugh, that we can have a good time, but talk about the difficult subjects. Lord, you, you created the family and you created the family structure to be one way. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us, that you would give us the guts to do what we need to do. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to set 
the example of what the family should look like. Lord, my prayer for Hope Church is that we would be a place where families thrive. So Lord, I pray today would be the catalyst, the tipping point that helps families begin to thrive. Lord, I thank you for all the relationships that you're going to mend today. 